Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. We are interviewing Rob Hanslin. Rob is the author of his memoir, but I was in such a good mood this morning. He's also a cancer survivor, and he's going to share a bit about his story, his journey, and share about his book, But I Was in Such a Good Mood This Morning, and how it might help affect you positively and impact you. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. Thank you very much for uh, the opportunity to talk with you. I appreciate that you took the time today to share some of your story with our listeners, and I'm really excited about the book and all the things that you've shared in there to help encourage and inspire other people. Before we talk about the book, can you share with the listeners some of your story and how it's all kind of led up to this point in your life of writing the book and putting down your thoughts and your story, your experiences to not only help others, but to provide some healing for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my journey with cancer started uh, back in 1989. My wife and I had been married uh, just about six months, and then I learned that I had uh, developed acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And right then, our world was pretty much turned upside down, and uh, we were faced with we were faced with a real uncertain future and. At that time, sort of watched our hopes and dreams just go right out the window. Um, we had just started our life together, and suddenly we were thrust into the world of cancer treatments and radiation and spinal taps and uh, long-term prognosis uh, prognoses that didn't sound all that appealing. Right, right. I can we knew imagine. we were heading into the deep woods, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to just pause there and speak to that. That must have been huge for you to get married and have plans and think you had one life that was before you and then suddenly within six months which is a really short period everything changed how did that affect what you thought about how life was supposed to work and certainly how did that affect your marriage early on I found myself on my first night at City of Hope at the City of Hope National Med Center in Duarte, California, where I was admitted, on my first night, my wife had just visited me, and she made the short trip home to our little uh, apartment in Azusa, California, and called me. And it was sort of at that moment when she called me and said, "You're supposed to be here. This mm-hmm. is not supposed to be happening." Mm-hmm. That I had what I what I what I've always thought of as my Job moment where mm. you, you're like Job in the Old Testament where he he was sort of finding himself surrounded by the ashes of everything he knew to be his life just you know days prior and had everything wiped out and yet he had to just stand and decide at that point you know is my God still in charge of my life does he have me in my grip and that was the first time you know, after being a Christian for like 17 years, my, I have my wife on the other end of the line saying, this is not supposed to be life, and what do you really believe? Mm, uh, was the question I had to ask myself that night. Yeah, it was a really rough night, and I had to decide at that point whether I really believed all this stuff or not. And so that was probably the, 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 the rude awakening and at the same time opened the door for a lot of 
lot of um, new things that the Lord would share with me over the years, and I hopefully I've built on that time. But there are still moments, even now, tw- uh, 20 years later, where those Job moments happen, and you have to decide, okay, is God still in control? Mm-hmm. Good question. And I think that what you're sharing, and I know this is part of the book, is where do we stop having any control over what the future holds and, you know, when our life will end or not? And where do we just have to let go and just have faith in that plan and purpose that God has for us? Yeah, precisely, precisely. And you mentioned the notion of looking back over your shoulder, like, this is not how my life was supposed to go. Right. You know, I had this all planned out. Mm-hmm. and But that was not the way things uh, turned out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was a real period of adjustment, and especially when I came out of treatment after six weeks as, a, as an inpatient and then a little over a year of outpatient treatment. When I completed that, my wife and I emerged on the other side of this thing, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who we are as a couple and who right. we are as individuals. And we know we've been changed by the experience. And uh, it was like the brave new world. We never had a chance to just be newlyweds and enjoy a life together for a couple of years. It was like instant grown-up, you know, just add really bad news and sign mm-hmm. here at the bottom of the form. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a real struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not always come. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's good. Peace does not always come. That's true. And I think that's where our faith has to be strong enough to get us through those times when there is no peace. There is no certainty about the future certainly with health and a lot of cancer issues there's no way to know for sure about a lot of things even though someone might be in remission or they might have gotten all the cancer out there's these lingering things that we don't often know about and I want you to be able to share some of that so when was it down the road following that time when you found out you had cancer again well, here's the, here's the shocking thing. Um, typically, what I was told when I was at City of Hope, uh, we, we, we knew we had the sleeping monkey, what we referred to as the sleeping monkey on our back. We knew the leukemia most likely would relapse or would, would reoccur mm-hmm. within most, well, something on the order of two to five years. Mm-hmm. This is what the doctors told us. So we were aware that he's back there, he's taking a nap. We hope he sleeps forever. Right. He ended up sleeping until 2008, Wow! Um, nearly 20 years in remission, and this was the first remission for me, which is very rare. My doctor at Stanford said he had never seen a case like this in the history of his medical practice, mm-hmm. and I was just blown away by that. So he wakes up, and then we have to go through the whole thing again. Right. And that was probably, and, and that's where I just saw the life just run out of my wife's eyes, you know, just, she looked at me like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. 20 years of nothing and not having to worry about this, we have to go through this again, you know, and this time it involves the bone marrow transplant. Right. So, it, yeah, that was, that was our experience. And um, wrestling with that was very difficult mm-hmm. uh, be, uh, because we were, we were at a point in life where, I was trouble-free for nearly two decades, and I have two daughters, two wonderful daughters, that Mm -hmm. we were told by the doctors at City of Hope would probably never happen because of the nature of chemotherapy and the the treatment. Mm -hmm. And yet I have these two wonderful daughters, total blessings in our life, 
And I'm thinking I'm out of the woods. And so when October 20th of 2008 came and I received a call from my doctor telling me my white count was at 65,000 or something, Mm. Mm. I just freaked out. Right. I can imagine. I can imagine. Let me ask you then, because I know that talked with other guests on the show and, and I've talked with people in general, do you feel like you got to a place of complacency, whether that was about your faith or just taking life for granted? Can you speak to the, to the audience about that and what happened for you during that time, thinking that, okay, I'm cancer-free, I'm healed, it's all well? Yeah, complacency. I've never contemplated that that notion, but I think that there might be some truth to that. I think at some point, certainly when my when my first daughter was born in 1992, I thought, Oh well, this is a miracle, and right. we must be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again in '94, when my my youngest daughter was born, at that point I was over the top, and I said, "Okay, well we're good to go." We, we you know, in my mind I'm thinking we're we're set, and yeah. we're not going to have to deal with this. Apparently the monkey's taken a really long nap, and we're not going to have to worry about it. And so it, you know, it was a big reality check in 2008, and I I, I guess. Complacency may be a really good word. Maybe I sort of sat back and thought, okay, you know, life's under control, and um, you know, I'm I'm good with God, and we're good to go. And perhaps that wasn't the case, you know, because when the relapse hit, it was another big Job moment, and this time the stakes were a lot higher. And so, finding that place where I could come to God and say, um, you know, I'm completely out of control of the situation and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I guess you and I get to need to get to know each other again on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's been my quest now to just really be open to his leading because life is rather tenuous and complications abound and mm-hmm. the future is uncertain. And um, I guess I was just sort of reminded about that again in 2008 and the years that have followed. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense, and I think that will be very helpful for a lot of people that have gone through different situations that have suddenly shocked them into life and some of its harsh yeah, realities, yeah. and how do we not be in that place, whatever our circumstance is, whether it's related yeah. to disease or health, and think about today and how important today is, and think about relationships and what we're doing with our time and things like that. I would love for you to share some of the things that maybe you've learned on this journey, having been faced with cancer a couple times. What have you learned about yourself as far as your strengths and weaknesses in dealing with something so harsh and so challenging to know when am I really going to be free or not or if I'm always having that monkey on the back, so to speak. How did that help you to learn about you? I think uh, what I've learned in terms of my human condition, uh, the fallen, broken part of me that needs grace, is that I have a tendency to not rest in the peace that comes from God. I have a tendency to wring my hands and be impatient and say, but you don't understand, this is really, really serious. And it's almost like every day I have to remind myself, Matthew 6:34 Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm-hmm. 
I got to a point about two years ago where I printed that verse out and stuck it to, to the door of my office. So every time I went in and out, I would be reminded of that because my tendency is to let those sort of let let that nasty stuff sort of stack up in my mind, and then that clouds my ability to see the joy and the wonderful things that are happening, the real blessings of God in the midst of all of these struggles. Mm-hmm. So, I I think He's teaching me that mm-hmm. that I need to rest in Him and you know lean on Matthew six thirty four. Also. Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. My, uh, my friend has been pounding that verse into my head over the last year, especially. Mm-hmm. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. And so I'm trying to remind myself every day that even in the midst of these struggles, that is the goal. That's the plan, and to not lose hope and to be positive and ultimately to make lemonade as much as I can mm-hmm. from the lemons that, uh, that I've been dealt. And so um, I think God's uh, blessing those efforts and confirming, you know, yes, keep doing this. Tell your story. You know, talk to people about mm-hmm. what you've been through and, and mm-hmm. connect with people who are going through what you've gone through so that you can say, I've been down that road. I'm still going down that road. You're not alone. Um, those, those are powerful things. So I'm trying to focus on those positives and not those negatives, you know, the tendency to just carry it all around in a backpack all day. You know, I just want to, at the end of the day, or at the start of the day, even better, I want to just leave that bag of stuff right. at the foot of the cross and just get busy and not waste my time during the day. Right. Totally makes sense, and I love all that you shared, especially going back just a little bit to really being able to appreciate the blessings right before us. And that's something I learned in yeah. my own life is that, Yes, the bills could be piling up. You could feel horrible because of a surgery or a disease or an illness. Uh, The kids can be doing all kinds of crazy things that we don't agree with, whatever it is. But in the midst of that, when we look at the simplicity of it all, we usually have a roof over our head. We usually have food in our belly. We usually have someone we can call that loves us and cares about us or someplace to go. Yes, that's absolutely the case, and and it's it's precisely those things that you mentioned, dear friends, that mm-hmm. rise up out of nowhere, that you know you can call from your hospital bed at yes. two in the morning if need be, if you're just not dealing well with life, mm-hmm. and they answer the phone and they say, hey, no problem, I was up anyway. Yeah, sure you were, you know, but yeah. no problem. <laughs> just Let's waiting stop. for your call. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just that. I guess that's one of one of my motivations for writing the book uh, was to was to share how even in these crazy, horrible, dark periods of time, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord just really provided an amazing uh, amount of blessing and uh, support and encouragement through the body of Christ, through friends and colleagues, through. Mm-hmm the church at the, at the time early on through focus on the family where I was working in the art department. And, mm-hmm. and you know, when my dad saw what, what the folks at focus on the family did to raise funds for me and have a blood drive on my behalf and, you know, it, it changed him and it changed his heart. And he became someone who was on a mission now to help others in the same way that they had helped me. Right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Rather than coming to my room at city of hope and wringing his hands, he would just take off down the hall and go talk with other patients about mm-hmm. what they were going through and 
be a listening ear for them. And then he'd come back to my room and tell me about all the people he spoke with that day. And he said, I told him about you. I told him about my son down in room six. And Right, right. I love kind it. Of thing. Yeah, it's really cool. Cool to see. Yeah, I think that that's important, too. When we look back on our journey, and perhaps even if we're going through something now, to see all the things, the good that can come out of it. So it's not just knowing that we're blessed today with whatever. It can be a big thing or a little thing or a multitude of things for everybody individually. But to see that things happen, that people learn things, that, that relationships come together, that people, you know, learn how to love and care for one another. There's so many things to see. Now, I know, though, from experience that it's not always good stuff. It doesn't always feel good. And I would love for you to share. And I think that's important to to point out, Angela. I think you're touching on a really important subject. In in no way do I want to minimize the the pain and the horribleness of something like cancer treatment and just discount that as, oh, well, you have to look past that and look for the blessing. Right. The fact is you still have to go through it. Yes. And there are plenty of dark days. There certainly were when things were really acute. And I was, you know, when the doctor comes in and says, you might lose your left leg because of this infection, this Mm -hmm. complication Mm post-transplant. You know, that's not a good day. And there's no way we're expected, or I I don't think by the Lord himself, expects us to just put on a happy face. We need to grieve through those times. And yes. Be yes. real with ourselves and the Lord and say, are you kidding me? I'm going to hop out of this hospital? Right. Lord, help me, you know. Yeah. But but the other side of the coin is if you can push through those bad times, there is blessing on the other side. There is restoration. There is wholeness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love those words, push through, because that is often what life requires, whatever we're going through. We must, we have a choice, and we must choose in order to go on and to see the good outcome, we must choose to push through. So can you share some of what the book is about more specifically, and who would be the audience? Who would be someone that could benefit from reading what you wrote in but I was in such a good mood this morning, which I love the title, by the right. way. I've had those mornings. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I, you know, I wrote the book. Um, I started out just writing a journal because uh, I had time on my hands. I was home from the transplant and was recovering. had to spend most of my time in a reclining chair um, wearing uh, you know, a couple of uh, infusion pumps, and I had drugs going into me, and... I was just sort of watching TV, and I couldn't do anything. And I thought, what if I just start writing? What if I just start writing a journal that maybe my daughters would be interested in reading at some point down the road? I'll go to Kinko's, and I'll bind up a few copies, and I'll have them, you know, I'll have them for anybody who wants to read them. That was sort of the vision, because I wanted them to understand the road that my wife and I had been down, mm-hmm. uh, this, uh, kind of a 20-year journey with, with cancer and things that happened to our lives, in our lives before they were even born. Right. And right. I wanted them to know what precious miracles they were, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how the whole thing got started. And then as friends encouraged me to keep writing and do something with this, I really, I really thought, okay, this is an opportunity to make some lemonade, like we talked about earlier, and just um, you know, share with others my story in hopes that it could be a help to them as they were going through a similar situation. So the audience, primarily for me, is going to be people who are going through 
a similar life-threatening, what I call life-altering experiences, whether it's cancer or uh, divorce or some other, some other disease or some other huge bomb that's gone off in their life. Mm-hmm. I want them to see uh, what I've gone through and how God blessed in the midst of all of those struggles in ways that I couldn't even imagine. Right. And uh, just to be an encouragement to others. So, so the patients who are going through these kind of things, the caregivers that care for those people, because these kind of things affect everybody, right? They affect right. families and your colleagues at work, and half the time nobody knows how to respond, and they want to help, but they don't know how to help, you know, and mm-hmm. conveying the whole notion of allowing people who say, hey, if you need anything, I'm here for you, to let those people know that you really do need their help. It's very humbling to do that, and it's right. painful, hard to do it. But So those are the kind of messages I wanted to, I wanted to communicate, and just real practical things as well that I've learned just in terms of spending a lot of time in the hospital and being an advocate for yourself and speaking up if you have questions and not just sitting back and saying, well, you're the doctor, whatever mm-hmm. you think. Right, uh, right. But, you know, keeping your brain intact and using it and, you know, be engaging with your physicians and having good communication and all those kind of things. And then I guess beyond that, and this is something I was very humbled by, uh, one, of, one of my doctors who read the book said, wow, I don't know who would benefit more from this, uh, patients mm-hmm. or the doctors that care for them. Mm, because, powerful. Yeah. Uh, this, this one particular physician said, you know, I see patients and I treat them and I have an understanding of that component of their life, the treatment for their disease. But he said, you sort of told the rest of the story, what happens when those patients go home. Right. And they're home with their thoughts and they're mm-hmm. thinking about, oh, my gosh, in two days I have to go in for the spinal tap and I'm really not looking forward to that or what if this med really messes me up and I'm just an emotional wreck and I can't function, you know, all these worries that we have. So, mm-hmm. so I think, I think those are the folks that could benefit the most. It's the patients going through it, the people that care for them and love and love those folks. Mm-hmm. And then the physicians that are treating them, the physicians and nurses that are on, on the units and treating those patients on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there are so many dynamics to health issues and going through treatment and being in the hospital and all the aftercare and the after effects about how it affects your body. I mean, as you mentioned yes. in the first place, you never thought these things would affect your marriage or your home life or your yes. children and that type of thing. And, and then there's all these other components of it, of physically, how surgery and illness and disease affects our body and sometimes affects our livelihood, things like that. So I appreciate that you've tried to share, open it to anybody who's gone through huge changes or suffering or traumatic events because that can often really change our plans. You bet, yeah. And I think the dynamics are are very similar, whether you've gone through, uh, you know, a serious car crash where you're left with, with a, a brain injury that's going to take a long time for you to rehab from and, mm-hmm. and to recover, uh, or a, a, you know, a cancer diagnosis where you're in remission but you now have the monkey on your back and you're wondering if he's going to come back and right. he's going to do it. The dynamics for for all of us in those situations, I think, are are very similar. And um, I think the more we can learn from other people, from each other, about how we cope, how we get through. And, and among the community of faith, 
how we wrestle with our faith and mm. how we how we struggle and how it's okay to have fear and doubt and take that to the Lord and say, you know, I'm just a basket case today, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I'm trusting that you still have me in your grip. I'm trusting that you are still, still God. Right, right. That's powerful, and that's very needed and necessary, especially with all the things going on in the world for us individually and as communities. How would people find out more about the book, where they can get it, and find out more about you? Uh, well, a couple of places. They can learn more about uh, my story at my website, which is www.post-traumaticpress.com. There's a number of number of pages there with a lot of cool background information about you know where the idea for the book came from and the background on my story and my, my path. Mm-hmm. And then to order the book, they can go to Amazon.com and do a title search for But I Was in Such a Good Mood This Morning or an author name search for me, uh, Robert Henselin, and that'll, that'll get it done. Great. I'm sure that many people will be blessed to read about your story and learn about the things that you learned on this journey so far because I know there's even more learning. And I appreciate yes. that you've graciously donated a copy of the book. So when your interview is posted at our website, yourstorymatters.net, people can comment and they are automatically entered to win a copy of the book. That's great. I, I love that. I, I, I'd be more than happy to do that. And I'm excited about the opportunity that, that what I've gone through may be of, of real help to someone else who's, who's walking a similar path. Absolutely. I love that your heart is there to not just learn from this for your own purposes, but to really reach out and touch other people's lives. And that's so important because we can all do that in some way. And you and I had talked about that is that no matter what our story is, it doesn't have to be cancer. It doesn't have to be poverty or divorce. It can be a lot of different things. When we learn from it and then turn around and share that wisdom with others, it's amazing how we can encourage and inspire people to have hope, to go on, to know that there's a plan and a purpose that is something better for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a dear friend of mine, uh, one of his favorite, one of his favorite things to share with me, and it's probably not the best way to interpret scripture, but he says, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say, and it came to stay. Mm. You know, and it, I mean, obviously, you know, you have to think past, think past the, uh, the the way the scripture is being interpreted in that regard. But the message is real clear. It came to pass. I, I mean, this will change. Your situation is not always going to be this way. Right. But the pain you're going through now is is real, and it's yes. okay to yes. have a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, and God doesn't want us to have a smile on our face all the time and mm-hmm. deny what we're going through. He wants us to come to him and say, I can't handle this, but I know you can. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, the, that's the vision. That's the hope. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Love it. What are the plans for Rob Henslin's future? You've done the book. You're doing well, I'm assuming, now, currently. Uh, yeah. You have to live with certain things, I'm sure, as you always have had to with that monkey on the back, so to speak. Is there a plan for what's next in your life and some other way that you hope to go on and contribute from your story? Yeah, I'm actually noodling on a couple of things. I have an idea for developing a curriculum for junior high and high school students primarily where we address this whole notion of 
making lemonade from our from the lemons that we're going to be dealt in life periodically. You know, mm-hmm. life is a good thing. Life is wonderful. But every now and then we do get dealt these lemons. Right. And how we choose to respond to that makes all the difference. And so I've I've already done a couple of presentations, sort of a life skills presentation uh, that was very well received. And uh, I've been encouraged to develop that into more of a a formal program because it addresses this notion of how do we respond to these situations? How do we get from denial to acceptance through the five stages of grief? How do we work through that process? And it's different for everybody. So sure. that's something that's that's in the works. Um, uh, that I think the Lord's been laying that on my heart to, to really move forward with that and start, you know, sharing that sharing that that program in schools and churches and, and wherever else I can I can uh, be of help. Uh, That's awesome, and I think that the key is reaching people as young as possible to help instill those skills in them. Because as we know, life's going to be challenging. There's going to be ups and downs, and for some people it will be more extreme than others, but yeah. I feel like we're not often taught, short of hopefully in our own home, how do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with upheavals? How do we deal with grief? Sometimes um, people tell me that they didn't even know they were allowed to grieve, that they thought they just had to go back to school the next day or go to work the next day, and that was that. And so, Yeah, suck it up and put on a smile and, you know, don't let anybody know what you're going through. Right, right. And it's so not the case. And when I I spoke with a group of junior hires down in the San Francisco or the, uh, yeah, the San Francisco Bay Area, just a few months back, I shared with them different scenarios. I actually presented scenarios to each one in an envelope. They picked envelopes that I had prepared. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was in them, but they were like life circumstances they just, that they had just been handed. Right. And they were things like, you just got beat up leaving the theater because guy thought you were looking at him the wrong way. Right. You now have a broken arm, and you can't play soccer anymore. Uh, you know, and you were on the competitive team, and you really needed this year to play, uh, or you probably won't be able to play in high school. How would you respond? What are you feeling? What are you thinking as you're receiving this news? You know, and so a number of different scenarios that allowed those kids to realize, oh yeah, okay, I do have a choice to make. You know, and what am I feeling? And let's not deny that. Let's not hold that in. Let's let's get it out on the chalkboard. Let's get it up there and write it down. I'm going to be angry about that. I'm going to be upset. Right. And then, and then helping them to work through those stages that they may be experiencing mm-hmm. uh, to where they get to a point of acceptance. You know, sometimes life, it is what it is. And yes. there's things you can't control. That's right. And how we respond to those situations makes all the difference. Absolutely. Rob, thank you so much for taking the time today to share some of your story and to talk about your new book. I really appreciate, ever since I've known you so far, you've just been always great at being very open and humble and honest about your journey, and I think that's what the world needs, is that, again, as we've just said, you don't need to hide it, you don't need to put on a front for other people, you just need to keep it real and put yourself out there and realize that we all go through things, we all suffer, and a lot of the feelings wrapped around that, whether even though it's not the same circumstance, are the same. So to come together and to learn from that with one another and to support each other in those things is huge and I really think can create a better world for all of us. 
So again, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Well, thank you, Angela. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. 